Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Welcome to you all, and thank you so much for giving up some of your valuable time. You are listening to episode 180. 180. His destiny. Something for darts fans there. Anyway, as I was saying, you are listening to episode 180 of the Howie Games, part A, featuring a true giant of Australian sport, Greg Norman. Yes, well done. He's done it at last. Greg Norman, 69, the champion for 1986. So you search and try to find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind. You're confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by Greg was the best golfer on the planet, ranked number one for 331 weeks across 11 stints. At one stage, he was world number one for 96 consecutive weeks. Incredible numbers. But this episode isn't about Greg's golfing career. If you want to hear more on that, go way back to episode 14 when Greg first appeared on the show. This episode is about Live Golf, the new global player in golf. Greg has to go, first of all. Greg needs to go. I think he needs to just exit stage left. Rory McIlroy in Dubai talking about CEO of Live Golf. Greg Norman needing to go, saying these fences needed to be mended between the PGA Tour and Live. What did he mean? The biggest world sport right now involves a Saudi-funded Live Golf Tour, which in the words of Rory McIlroy, has ripped golf apart. Live has exploded in many ways into the golfing world and, as you've just heard, has caused some disruption and angst, to say the least. It's split the golfing world in many ways. Greg, as the front man, the commissioner, has taken plenty of the heat. Greg Norman is a hugely successful businessman. He is not someone that jumps into a new venture without a huge amount of thought and research. I've followed the birth of Live Closely and how it's developed, being a sports fan, the heated debate it's caused. Even on this show, after we had Cam Smith on, the feedback was full on, like a few other episodes, to be honest. People were quick to provide their thoughts on Live. Strong thoughts, hard thoughts, angry thoughts, both sides of the equation. So, what's fascinated me is why, at this stage of his career, Greg wanted to take Liv to the world, to take on such a huge project that was going to no doubt bring him joy, but was also always going to cause him heartache. Plenty of heartache. So many lost and left behind And no one seemed to care Those who should seem like they're blind Pretending they're not there Can't they see they hold the key Could make things better if they try. Oh my Jaja, tell me why won't they open up their eyes? That is why I wanted to invite him on the podcast. What's his side of the story? And my takeaway, after being privileged enough to talk with Greg, and you will form your own views, many of you will have already formed them prior to listening to this. Be interesting to see whether they change. Anyway, my takeaway remove all the aggro out of it, the warring between the parties, the reported dollars, the high profile bust ups. This may be simplistic, but Greg 
just seems to want more golf to be played in more places so more people can watch and fall in love with the game he loves. Basically, to provide competition and choice. Now, before we roll, talk about competition. Tickets are sold out for the Live Adelaide event at the Grange, so people are well and truly on board. It's on April 21 to 23, but you can still go in style yourself with some awesome hospitality experiences, world-class players, shotgun starts, live music, and our man, DJ Fisher. If you're not aware of DJ Fisher, you should be. He'll be playing as well. So jump on livegolf.com slash events slash Adelaide. That's livegolf.com slash events slash Adelaide. Righto, let's get right into it with the great white shark himself, Greg Norman, AO. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery what is to be revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Well, this is a treat for me and for all our audience. Joining us for the second time on the Howie Games, so we owe him a lot because he came on this podcast in the first 15 episodes when we were floundering away trying to figure out what we were doing. He was our first big-name guest and he supported the show from right from the start, which I've always appreciated. Greg Norman coming in from Florida. It's great to see you. How are you going? I'm very well, Howie. It's an honour to be back on your show. Congratulations on your success. Well, we've plugged away, but you certainly gave us a lift right at the start. How are you? What's um? How are you tracking? Changing the world one step at a time, Howie. That's all I'm doing, buddy. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just an incredible journey that I've been on to date. Um, you know, my it's been an interesting um, change of direction in my life, to be honest with you. I think I'm very, very uh, proud of the fact of uh, the opportunity that was handed to me over you know, August of 2021. Um, to see where we've come in a very, very short period of time. Um, it's been a fair old whirlwind. Yeah. This month is 12 months that the lift has been launched. So to me, um, it's been a very interesting time because a lot of reflection goes into, into play for 45, 40 years of my life playing the game of golf, uh, being involved in the game of golf from television to golf management to um, event management, yep. just all these things that just take place around. Um, and I just find that this moment in time where I am today, um, the question that asked was asked me on numerous occasions, wh- where do I see my legacy? And quite honestly, I don't see my legacy on being on the golf course anymore. I see my legacy of what I have done and doing today. Um, and I'm very, very proud of the fact of what we have done and doing today. So, from my perspective, um, you know, this this journey for the last 15, 17 months that I've been on since I've been the CEO and commissioner of Live Golf Investments has just been uh, one of great, uh, you know, joy, pleasure. It's the right thing to do. Uh, but it's also been extremely hard on me too, Howie. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, it's been hard on me on many fronts because – People take a biased view. Uh, they take a very shallow view. In what way? They take a um, a view that um, of not knowing the facts and understanding the facts. Um, so, from that perspective, quite honestly, I've lost a few friends. You know, so be it. Um, uh, that you know, that's their that's their choice in life. If they want to judge somebody, they you, you don't judge me. You judge yourself by not sitting down and understanding the facts. So. 
in a nutshell, quite honestly, Howie, I'm I'm really a happy guy. I'm working 90 hours a week, close to 100 hours a week at times. Um, I've learned so much. Um, I see the the way forward that something new. Uh, we, we're, it's history in the making, to be honest. Um, never before has this amount of equity been invested into the game of golf um, to a point where into the future, just like Kerry Packer did with cricket. And right here, KP sits right here, Howie, <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've spoken I've spoken to James numerous times, right? James Packer. Um, yep. We go back and forth with Texas, and and I tell him, you know, in, in messages that you know your dad's sitting on my shoulders because he's my north star for what he did for Australian cricket players, Indian cricket players, English cricket players, South African cricket players, players from all over the world uh, would not be making the money they're making today if it wasn't for Kerry and. I recognize that, and I just wanted to give that opportunity to professional golfers as independent contractors. Um, so KP, like I said, uh, he's sitting there. He shines down on me. Oh, KP says a few <laughs> things in, the, in my right ear a couple of times, and don't be a silly bugger, or do this and don't do that. But uh, it's just been uh, – it's, it's just, you know, I could go on an hour and hours, and you've asked one question. Well, I wish I had you for hours and hours because I have got so many questions for you about about live and the whys and the hows that I'd love to explore with you. But just before we get to that, um, I haven't had the pleasure of chatting you for some time. Uh, how many grandkids these days? How's life off the course? You're working 90 hours a week. Are you still doing the right thing by your family? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've got three great grandkids. My son's got his first child coming along in July, so that'll be four. Um, it's a joy to be around them. My grandson, uh, who's eight years old, now it's just uh, getting bigger and stronger to pick up a wow. golf club. And when he connects, he hits at 150 yards. So it's cool to get out with him. And and when he asks me, he, he sometimes picks up the phone, picks up my daughter's phone, his mom's phone, and says, hey, Papa, let's go play golf. So <laughs> that's the only golf I play, Howie, to tell you the truth, when he wants to go out and play. And he, you know – He's like uh, Jello anyway. It takes him like half a second to warm up, but you know he just wants to get out there and play golf. <laughs> How long does it take you to warm up? Oh, mate, I'm a little, I'm a little rusty old gate right now. <laughs> my, my flexibility's not there. My strength is there, but my flexibility's not. But uh, I kind of let that go by the wayside because, to be honest with you, I don't wake up and get out of bed in the morning with any aches and pains. No back aches, no hip aches, no uh, pains down the back of my legs. So. Um, re repositioning myself and the quality of my life physically uh, by not hitting golf balls continuously has been a, a you know honestly a, a godsend for me. Um, I enjoy it. I'm very fit. I'm very strong. I'm very healthy. And to be able to do the things that I do, um, even in the office, you know, I've become very sedentary. Uh, I work, you know, like I said, to you long hours mm. at the desk on the phone. Um, but at the same time, you just caught me. I mean, I just threw on a, a clean T-shirt so I could get on the air with you because you just caught me coming out of the, a quick gym session so I could get it in for the day. So, um, Well, that was going to be my next question. Health and fitness has always been um, high on your agenda. I, I still tell people the story about seeing you play at Coolum and, and being in the gym and, and you were in there for two hours before you were going out to play golf. And I was like, wow, this right. shows the dedication of this man. You're still training pretty hard. You're still, even with all those hours, because I know how important health and fitness is to you. 
Yeah, I do. I, I get in the office around 6.30 every morning, um, quarter to seven, something like that. And then I leave every day around 3.30-ish, quarter to four, four o'clock. Get, uh, come home, um, just catch up on a few things uh, when I'm at home here for about 15, 20 minutes, take my dog for a run uh, <laughs> for about 15, 20 minutes, hit the gym. And, you know, I'm normally wrapping it up in about 20 minutes from now, but I normally wrap it up around 6.30 and spend the evening with, um, you know, just doing the evening things, catching up on family things. And quite honestly, I do shut down. I turn my phone off um, at a certain time during the night. I just, you know, enough's enough because I'm on it all day long and I just want to just get away from it. And, you know, I love getting up early in the morning, um, very early riser. I go outside, sit before the sun gets up in the dark with my dog and have my coffee and I read um, what's on my phone. Um, I just catch up on a little bit of social media if I need to. Uh, but you've got to understand, I had three offices in the world. Um, so one's in London, one's in New York, one's here in Palm Beach, my, where I, my principal office is. Um, but our investor is in the Middle East. So, you know, that's nine hours ahead of us. So my day is kind of like regimented like that. So, um, you know, you, you're constantly getting um, questions and calls and, you know, just having conversations. What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Apollo, and he's laying underneath my desk right now. <laughs> he hasn't—he hasn't—he hasn't seen me all day. I just took him out for a quick run before the gym, and he's just laying underneath right by my feet. Back to Greg shortly. Next up on the show, a slightly different episode, albeit one I really love. It features a bloke who started life as a cadet sports reporter, who now owns and runs one of Australia's largest sports media operations. His name is Craig Hutchison. Hutchie is a man that gets stuff done and a man with many, many stories to tell. It's an episode for the people, this one. How does one go to getting onto the field of the Super Bowl? The field of the Super Bowl? Um, <laughs> where to start with that? So the Super Bowl for me was a passion long before we started doing it as a business. In fact, I had to put away the childish since about five or six years ago. So if people want to go to the Super Bowl with you? Yeah, they can still join us now at Ballpark Entertainment. Ballpark Entertainment. Yeah, we take anywhere from 40 to 90 people a year, depending on the year. Um, but it started out with me just going with mates. And my first one was Detroit in 2006 or seven, whenever that was, around about that time. And and then missed one and then went on a run for the next 12 or 13 years. And I used to kind of judge every year of being a success or otherwise of if I had the means to go. Because I thought there'll be... The financial means yeah, to get like, to the Super yeah, Bowl. If I haven't been able to afford to go, then it's been, been, a, rough been, year. A, been a rough year. Or if I can't justify <laughs> the, the time. So for five or six years, I was doing it before we started taking people because in the end, people started saying, can I come? And that's how it all began. So my, my mission was always to try and get on the field after the game. And for three or four years, I did that before the cameras caught it, just to be able to laugh with mates around. Um, and I used to figure out how to do it. So... Um, it was the ultimate hustle, right? It was the great Which test. Which is what you live for, the hustle. It was Ocean's Eleven. It was a great test of <laughs> overcoming the opposition to get out on the ground. So it was just a bit of a dumb thing among mates. And so I remember one year, maybe about two years before the camera caught it, I, I'd got out and I'd, um, I'd helped set the stage up. <laughs> so I carried so I helped set the stage up. And I used to always wear a jacket, so I looked like I was the person in charge. And I would tell people where they had to stand on the ground. You back, you back, get over there. Come on, you're right. Quick, quick, move it through. Come on, everyone back. I need a red, a red carpet here. I need a tape there. Push the rope back, back, back. And people just start listening with that. Because what, what would happen is in every year they'd be in a different city. So they were all 
generally contractors or freelancers who didn't know what they were doing or was their first time doing what they were doing, where if they saw someone in a jacket who looked like they were in charge, there's a fair chance they might take advice from them. <laughs> That's Craig Hutchison next up on the show. Let's get back to Greg Norman. So, Greg, the last time we spoke, which is oh, five years ago, um, you were talking about your desire to come back and, and live in Australia um, and wind back a little bit and hand your businesses over and you were explaining to me then, it was a, a great business lesson about succession plans and always planning ahead and having the next person in the breach to take charge of your organisation. When did Live Golf come across your desk and what made you, in a nutshell, leap in and realise you're going to have to commit so much time of your working life when you were looking to slow things down a little, as much as you can slow things down? Yeah, Howie, that's a that's a great question um, because I was. I was planning on doing exactly what you just said. Um, February of 2021, this is a, it's, it's a weird how life works, right? So February 2021, that was around COVID time, was coming into play, and um, my father wasn't well, and I decided to sell everything in the U.S. and head home. And I literally did that. In 10 days, I sold my house that I lived in for 30-plus years on Jupiter Island. I sold my ranch, all happening in 10 days that I had for 21, 22 years, and I was ready to go home. Um, I felt really good about my decision. I wanted to spend the last, you know, as many uh, months or years I could with my father because I literally left when I was 21 years old and and now I'm 60, what am I, 68? Um, and I hadn't been, hadn't seen my father for all those years um, and I spent time with him. So I just wanted to do that for him. Um, and that's when we had the conversation, you know, about yeah. that's where I wanted to go. So in February of... Um, February of 21, uh, I get this call uh, from a guy who I work with today, um, a guy called Jed Moore, and he was one of the guys who was uh, uh, the initial um, person who put the thought process and the business model together with a, with a bunch of other people, right? It's not just one person. It's thousands of people, hundreds of people with thousands of man hours. Um, and he called me up and he said, would you be interested? And I go, Mm, okay, yeah, it's it's what I did in '93. Just me. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to explain what Greg's talking about. What he's referring to in 1993. So, in a nutshell, Greg proposed a series of tournaments back then that would complement the existing tours, including the PGA Tour. He felt that golf needed more of a global presence. Strong statements were issued out of the US that suspensions could take place for players who became involved in this new breakaway league. Sound familiar? It was squashed. Anyway. On we go. I care about the players as independent contractors. I care about the golf. But what struck a real nerve for me was the opportunity to build generational wealth through franchise models through the game of golf. That that really hit me. So when they sent me the business plan, I studied it from February to August. I had my lawyer friends. I had my, um, you know, financial friends, the economists study it. I had everybody look at this uh, model in confidentiality to see if they could break it. So I tried to stress test it, and I couldn't. Hmm. So July of 2021, I said, okay, I'm in. All right? So saying you're in is a lot easier than actually when you jump in. Right? Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so I'm the first guy to hire, right? So – 
Now I got to build out a C-suite. Now I got to build out a business. Now I got to build out all this. And it was such a daunting task right from the outset um, to to get it going, to to get the players, which I wasn't really involved in in the initial part of the players because that was already taking place before I came on board. The the, the main players, like the the Mickelson, the Bryson, the DJs, the Brookses, those guys, those dialogues were already taking place as I was looking at the business model. Gotcha. Um, so players were starting to come on and they were committing, but way back then, way before anybody really realized. Um, so I knew then that um, these players recognized it. Um, so I, I, I signed on my employment agreement at August the 31st, 2021, and happy days. Here we go. Dig your feet in. The fire hydrant's wide open, stuck in your mouth, and <laughs> you got to drink as fast as you can. <laughs> Oh, I've never heard that. That's a great expression. I've never heard the fire hydrant. So for people that, that are listening into this, mate, and they're coming across what live golf is, I thought about the best way to ask you this question. I don't really think about these things generally. It's more conversational. But we, we just had Cam Smith on the show, and he was fantastic, Greg. And um, I, I presume it would make you smile because this is a young man who could not be happier in his life and he was so happy yeah. about his work-life balance. I think he was a little bit daunted about what he needed to do with his generational wealth, but he was getting a lot of advice. There. He, he couldn't have been happier. So say say it was the like of Cam Smith or, or a young up-and-coming golfer. If you were sitting down to pitch them for two minutes why they should join Live. Like what? What's the pitch? What's the hook? What are you saying to these young men to get them to step into the unknown? Well, you're just giving them another platform, another product, another place to come play golf if you so choose. Yep. Um, yeah, you're coming. You're coming into a, what I call the live family, right? So I would say to them, look, here's what the business plan is. This is your opportunity. Let's just say that young player could potentially be a principal player. Yes. An owner of a team, right? Um, you'd explain to them the, uh, the, the art of building brand value, the art of building team value, the art of looking into the future, the art of understanding a P&L because each team is responsible to their P&L, an art of uh, understanding the, the, uh, the player trade, because eventually there'll be trading taking place from teams to teams, just like any other league in the world, right? But more importantly, I say to him, you're going to be able to do two things. Still play individual golf, still do what you love to do, mano a mano, get to the first tee, shoot the lowest score you can. So the team aspect, does it resonate with these guys? No question. One of the most poignant and powerful things that's resonated with me in less than 12 months is the significant weight that these players feel about being in a team. And I'm not going to mention names of some of the major winners that we have, and a couple of them have said this to me, they get more nervous playing for the team than playing for themselves. Hmm. Because let's just say you're a principal player, Let's just say it's Team Shark and Howie, you're my number one, right? Sounds and, good to and me. You're playing better golf. You're playing better golf than me uh, at that given time, maybe one week or two weeks. And I'm the, I'm the principal player. I'm supposed to be carrying the load, right? And sometimes that principal player, me, I'd be going, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to step up for Howie and my other two players, right? Because I'm letting them down. What is going on here? So you got to make this adjustment, and vice versa. If Howie's playing like crap, 
and I'm playing great. I'm going to go up to Howie and say, hey, Howie, don't worry about it, buddy. We're a team here. What, what can I do to help you? Is it mental? Is it physical? Is it something that's bugging you? Is it something at home? Is it something going on with your agent? Is it something with your girlfriend or, or whatever it is? So you actually surround them, right? You actually bring them in to make them more comfortable. Now, why am I going down this path? Our health and wellness program within the Live family, not just with the players, but with the caddies, the wives, significant others, is light years ahead of any tour that I've ever played on, where we care, I personally care, about the health and well-being of my player, of any player, because his health and wellness is going to create uh, the support mechanism that the team wants. And a healthy team is a healthy league. Mm. So there's this massive dominoes effect that I never really uh, could um, see early on. But in the last, going into the last couple of tournaments of our beta year last year, I started to see it. And again, I'm not going to name any of the names, but I, I know there's about four people that we have changed their lives. I know there are about six or eight caddies that come up to me and hug me and said, you saved my life. Thank you very much. I've had hugs and kisses from, from women and significant others saying, I have never seen my husband or boyfriend so happy in all my life. So people out there don't see all this or hear about all this or read about all this because they want to listen to all the other crap that's going on, right? But when you look down inside the bowels of it, right, to see and feel and touch and understand that, where these guys are so wanting to deliver for their team, for their families, for their caddies, it's just incredibly powerful, Howie. That is the end of episode 180, part A. Plenty more on Live Golf to come your way in part B.